What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. If you're joining us via the Fantasy Football Today show, thanks. Looked like we got a bunch of new listeners, a bunch of new subscribers. That's exciting. We're going to break down Chargers Chiefs. Wow, what a game. Uh, everybody knows I'm a huge Phillip Rivers homer, so that was exciting. Uh Brian McFadden joining me, and then we'll talk to Dave, I mean, Dave Richard, what am I talking about? I'm high on life. Uh, then we'll talk to uh, uh, R.J. White and Pete Briscoe and make picks for every game against the spread over the weekend. Brian McFadden, former Florida State defensive back, former Super Bowl champion, has played against, you played against Phillip Rivers, right? Yeah, at college uh, and Oh, you in were, the NFL. yeah, you were at, oh yeah, you were at FSU when he was at, um, he was at NC State. State. Where does he rank on, like, I mean, I know he's not the greatest quarterback of all time just because there's Tom Brady, there's Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's lots of other guys ahead of Phillip Rivers. But in terms of just like a gamer, like like the guy, the guy's just like a football gamer, right? He's a competitor. He's a competitor. Uh, going back to his NC State days, of course, being one of the highest, uh, was a basically a top pick when he came out of his draft. He competes hard and he plays with a lot of emotion. And we saw that last night, you know, against Kansas City. I mean, he continued to fight. Uh, two ugly interceptions. He bounced back from that. I think the thing, the issue with Phillip has been bad luck as far as teams, being the teams that he's been a part of. He hasn't had the luxury of being a part of great teams like Big Ben and Eli Manning. But this year, who knows what can happen? I'll get to BMAC. So, I mean, like, look. I, I, I went to NC State. I'm an NC State guy. I've been rooting for Philip Rivers for like as long, like 18 years. Um, when the Chargers almost fumbled that punt return at the end of the game, I was extremely convinced that they were like, it's like, it's like, okay, like, actually when they didn't fumble it, I was like, they're going to win this game. Cause when they, when they almost fumbled, it's like, well, that's just a Chargers thing to do. Some sort of dumb thing they make at the end. But instead, they, I mean, like, it does it, it feels like this is a different Chargers team. And they now have, by the way, a window where if Kansas City goes to Seattle and loses to the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are playing great football, the Chargers could steal the number one seed in the AFC. <laughs> Who saw that? And also too, I think this goal goes back to 2017 remember the chargers barely missed the playoffs and they had an ugly month of september uh they were on the bad end of missed field goals yep. uh just one play away from winning ball games and eventually when they when they got afloat it was a little too late and this year even though they've been missing key players they have really found a way to start the season off much better than what we've seen in the last few years. You know, not having an ugly month of September. And right now, this is one of the hottest teams in the National Football League. And I think they're one of the deadliest teams based on how consistent they've been playing. And they've been able to do so without some of their best players. Yeah, I mean, Philip, they went out there and 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 had that game. And Mike Williams, what a, you know, he, I mean, this is a guy from Clemson who was a top 10 pick, got, you know, the Chargers got blasted for, for some of the, you know, the production he had last year as a, as a, uh, as a rookie, Ter- you know, terrible season, if we're being frank, comes out there and has seven catches on nine targets, 76 yards, two touchdowns. I think he caught the, um, the, two uh, point yeah, he caught the two point conversion, had a couple of huge conversions, had a rushing touchdown for 19 yards, just an unbelievable effort from him when Keenan Allen goes out and with Melvin Gordon out, Justin Jackson had some pretty good moments. It, it just, it does feel like there's a little bit of magic to this team. Um, 
Do you, do you, are you worried that the Chiefs are fading at all? And I, that seems crazy to say about an 11 and three team, but they, you know what? Yeah, go, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not worried that they're fading. I'm more concerned that they are falling in love with the entertainment. Mm, and what I on. mean when I say that listeners offensively, everybody has been talking about Patrick Mahomes, the no look passes, the running on one, running to one sideline, throwing against his body to the opposite sideline, completing plays. And I think the, this team has fallen in love with that also. And they have gotten away from old fashioned football. And what I mean when I say that listeners, at some point you have to run the football. At some point it's okay to drive the speed limit, even if you have a Ferrari. It's okay. <laughs> you're supposed to do that. In a residential area, you're supposed to drive the speed limit. You don't need to go fast and just try to score fast every single time. In this ball game last night, Will, listeners, the Chargers scored two touchdowns in less than four minutes. You know how they were able to do that? The Chiefs did not decide to run the football. They did not try to run the football. In that game last night, only 17 carries for 60 yards, mm. 17 carries for 60 yards. I don't, I know you do not have Kareem Hunt. I know this. Damian Williams, Darrell Williams in the first half, they played a big part in the ground game. The second half, they got away from that. When you have speed, a speed guy like Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the game, even Conley, Chris Conley, you got quality pass catchers that the defense devotes a lot of attention to. So that should provide a window of opportunity to run the football. And they did not do that in the second half. And like I said, scoring two touchdowns in less than four minutes, that, that should not happen when you have a, a substantial lead in the latter part of the ball game. Yeah, that's the thing. So like this Chiefs team is really, like they've been the most entertaining team to watch all year. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to win the MVP, although I think it is at least worth considering the idea that Phillip Rivers could win the MVP if the Chargers somehow stole the one seed. That's a, another discussion for another day. But I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes has been the best player in football the entire year. An incredible story. But when they, when you score to go up 28 to 14, with seven minutes and 55 seconds left in the game in front of a raucous home crowd against a division rival with a chance to clinch the division and a chance to potentially clinch home field if the Steelers can beat the Patriots on Sunday, you can't lose that game. You no, can't, you, you cannot can't. give up. You Like, if you're going to give up 14 points and, and hit the over, thanks for nothing, Chiefs. Not that it mattered I parlayed it with the Chiefs, but that's fine. If you're going to hit the over... You're going to get up those 14 points. You have to be able to do something on your next drive. And here's what the, you point out they couldn't run. I mean, they basically just kind of curled up, turtled up, and got lemon booty on the final drive when all they needed to do was get two first downs and the game's over. Downs. Yeah. Two first downs. Two first downs. And, and this has been kind of annoying to watch because that everybody loves the unbelievable throws. You know, everybody loves – you know, uh, scoring in a matter of seconds. I understand that. But at some point in time, you have to take your foot off the gas. And when you're playing against playoff caliber teams and a playoff atmosphere, you cannot be, you can't be one dimensional. You just can't. You can't. You have to find a way to run the football or try to run the football, at least establish the run. Because one thing I know about Patrick Mahomes, one thing we all know about Patrick Mahomes, when you give him opportunities in the passing game with those pass catchers, 
they will be successful. But when you show show the defense your hand, if you're a poker guy, if you ever show your hand, you know you're going to lose. Sure. And that's what Andy Reid did in the second half. 14 points in, in less than four minutes. Man, slow the ball game down. Run the football. Three, four yards a pop is all you need. Get in a manageable third down situation and then allow your expertise as far as calling plays take off. Third yeah. and two, third and three. You have to like the Chiefs' chances in being able to convert that. Yeah. But they just wanted to throw, 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 throw. I mean, high percentage plays did not work in their favor last night. No, it didn't. I, I give them credit because their their final touchdown drive actually lasted almost a full eight minutes, which is very unchiefs like thirteen plays, seven fifty five, uh, sixty three yards. Now, <laughs> I gotta tell you, th- this is this is worth discussing too because these refs stink, BMAC. I mean, they, oh my goodness, it was a disaster. They're throwing flags left and right. There's bad calls on the Chiefs. There's bad calls on the Chargers. Do you remember when you were playing at the? I mean, and I know it's I mean, it's been like seven years or whatever it is, but were the refs this bad? I mean, it's it's horrible. Last night, they were extremely bad. I don't know if they were sensitive. I don't know if they were a bit aggressive. But what we saw was horrible refereeing, in my opinion. Very, very touchy calls. And mostly all of those calls were going against the Chargers. I mean, looking at the numbers, Mm -hmm. what uh, penalties – the Chargers had seven penalties for 50 yards, and the Chiefs had 10 penalties for 66 yards. I mean, that pass interference call against Fuller that ultimately led to the game tying, uh, the, the, not the game winning touchdown, but led to the game winning two point conversion. Yep. In my opinion, you cannot make that call. And game action, when he's pulling the left hand while Mike Williams is going over with his right hand, and game speed, it looks almost instant. You can't make that call, it's in terrible. my opinion. It was a terrible and we call. Saw, we saw so many touchy calls, I mean, uh, illegal contact. And, and, and somehow the Chargers found a way to f- fight through all of that and muster up a huge, huge win. Great Thursday night game uh, to to finish Thursday night football for the season. Yeah, and on, on the penalties, like on that, there was a series of three plays in a row where it was just sort of stunning how – badly the officials did so um philip rivers is like scrambling around the corner trying and he's sliding to because he's he's trying to avoid a sack but there's nothing he can do there's nowhere to throw it and he slides he gets popped with his knee on the ground on a clear helmet to helmet penalty and no flag is thrown which is just inexplicable because that's one of the points of emphasis for the league this year they don't throw the flag phil gets up he's screaming he's losing his mind he's burning he's wasting clock it looks like they're going to lose because he's doing that and on the next play you're talking about fuller goes up and he it was an first of all it's an uncatchable ball second of all he does doesn't pull down on his arm in any violent method. I mean, the, the, we're talking about two grown men who were competing for a football in, 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 you know, in, a, in a very fast and violent game. They flag him for that. It was an obvious makeup call. And then they come back and on the next play, uh, Orlando Scandrick's guarding Mike Williams on the touchdown. Mike Williams, who, but by the way, it pushed off like seven times all game, clearly pushed off. There's no flag called there. Uh, and then, you know, there's a, a weird review. Uh, it, it, they're just they're just not good at their jobs right now. And I don't know if it's because of the replay and the technology and all that, but it's a major problem for the NFL. And it, it makes watching the the product very difficult to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, watching Thursday night's game was almost like watching James Harden. Yeah, yeah. All these 
flop it. Yeah, yeah. Bad calls. I mean, it kind of takes you away from the game and it takes your attention to yellow flags, which is unfair to the players that's out there fighting. Both teams, of course, clinch a playoff berth. But, Will, let me ask you this question. Who wins the AFC West? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I want to say the Chiefs because that's the – Look, the Chiefs have to lose again, and it's a great question, Beanback. The Chiefs have to lose again. They do. I will say this: you have to go to you have to go to Seattle next week on Sunday night. Seattle mm, is mm, playing some great mm, football, mm. and the Chiefs can't afford to lay down. The Seahawks. Mm. The Seahawks are still, you know, they're uh, even if they could clinch. I don't see Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson not getting up for this because it's like, hey, you know, if we're if we're going to make a run. And be a Super Bowl team, we need to be able to beat a team that we might see in the Super Bowl. They're not going to sit down just because they're at you know uh, nine wins or whatever. Um, so if the Chiefs lose that, the Chargers would Chargers all they have to do is win out. So I think the Chiefs are probably at like sixty percent or sixty five percent, maybe even higher. But I would not rule out the Chiefs losing to the Seahawks in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, also, too. You know, the Chargers, they have a very, very intriguing ball game coming up in a matter of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. I think they play Baltimore. They do. Um, and then, out in L.A. Yep. So. Yes, yes. Uh, next so, week on, that's on, that's, that's a, is that a yeah, Saturday night game? That That's next week. So. It's Saturday both, night, next Saturday teams, night. Wow. Yeah, both teams have very, very, you know, playoff caliber matchups next week with the Chiefs traveling to, uh, uh, the 12th man Seattle. And the Chargers hosting um, the Baltimore Ravens. I can't say. I will say this though: the Chiefs, they're not, they're not as deadly as they once were. Was they don't feel and, that way. They don't feel and, that way. And I know losing Kareem Hunt has a lot to do with it, right? We know that. But it seems like people are not necessarily starting to catch up to what they were doing, but they're being able to just stay within the pack. Mm. and eventually claw and fight. A week ago, they almost should have lost to Baltimore, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and that's what I'm saying, listeners, that now it seems like teams are finding a way to stay right within Patrick Mahomes and all these unbelievable plays he's been making, the no-look passes and what we saw last night. But they're staying right there with them. And a player or two, either they win or they lose. We saw Baltimore lose. We saw the Chargers win. So now teams are starting to catch up to what they've been doing and losing Kareem Hunt is a huge, huge, uh, part of that. But playoff football against playoff caliber teams, opposing teams, they applaud your issues. Yep. You think the Chargers are sad that Kareem Hunt is no longer part of this team? <laughs> They're happy. They applaud your issues that you're currently dealing with. So it's up to you to embrace it, get over it and get back to playing the type of football you've been playing. And I can't say this just from experience, Will. You do not want to go into the playoffs with no momentum. Mm. You want to be hot because being hot provides confidence. And confidence provides a part of success. Now, just being able to sustain that success comes with the play on the football field. But when you hot, you walk into the playoffs feeling good. You're poking your chest out. You walk in knowing that you can win this game based on what you did to finish out the year. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too that you say that because when you look at the last two weeks, just really quick, um, like really quickly, they've given up 10 drives of three minutes or more. And three minutes is not a soul crushing drive. You know, you could, you know, the Chargers went, uh, 335 on five plays and, and 26 yards and punted, but 
I think it's very clear that over the last two weeks from the Ravens and the Chargers, two, two, two teams who have above average defenses, Ravens are second in, uh, in DVOA and the Chargers are right there, uh, as well. Um, that they there's sort of a formula to beat the Chiefs. If you have a good defense and you can limit their possessions, and the Chargers did that because if you if you take out that last four second kickoff return that the Chiefs had, they only had eight possessions on the night, and they punted on three of them, or four, punted on four of them. Excuse me. If you can, I mean that's hard to do, but if you can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes and you can force him to punt on forty to fifty percent of their possessions and only give them eight possessions and chew up clock with long drives. That's how you beat the Chiefs. Yeah, that's how you beat the Chiefs, and that's what we're seeing. That's what I was saying earlier. It seems like opposing teams, they are finding a way to stay within the pack, stay with with the Chiefs. They're finding a way to keep things closer than what we've been seeing early in the year, which has become a bit scary if you're a Chiefs fan. Because now you don't have that reliable running game to run on or the reliable runner in Kareem Hunt. And you don't want to go into the playoffs searching. Granted, you did not have where tonight. We know where is the feature guy knowing that Kareem Hunt is no longer with this team. But though you cannot look for those excuses. You have to find a way to get the job done. And I will say this, too. Right now, in my opinion, listeners will, the Chargers, if they win their division, if they get the number one seed, if they don't win the division and they get the fifth seed, nobody wants to play this team right now. And it's it's not even about being at home for the Chargers. They're comfortable away from home because we know StubHub Center is not like it's a home field advantage anyway. No, and that's the right. and that's the deadliest that's the deadliest thing about this team. They can take their home show on the road. They play with confidence. And what we've seen the last few weeks, going to Pittsburgh and a playoff atmosphere, playing without Melvin Gordon, finding a way to get that job done, playing with role players showing up huge. Thursday night, without Melvin Gordon, without Keenan Allen, playing in a playoff atmosphere against one of the highest teams in the league and winning? This is a scary, scary team. I'm with you 100%. The Chargers look great. Um, all right. We didn't, we, we, we're going to skip it. We've talked too long because we got to get to Pete and RJ. Uh, but make sure to check out BMAX podcast. It's the season. It's the CBS Sports podcast. The 2008 Steelers, a, a Super Bowl winning team. If you want to hear a formula for a, a great stories about a, a, a team that, that knows how to win and a team that gets it to get, got it all together and made a deep run, like maybe the Chargers could be doing, it is well worth your time. Excellent interviews with guys, uh, from, from that team. You can check it out iTunes, BMAC, uh, we will, uh, this is our last Thursday night game of the year, but I, I am sure that we will talk again soon, my man. Um, uh, no question. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably be talking next week. You just, we'll just figure out the time. Uh, in the meantime, we'll take a quick break and then we're going to get our talk to, uh, Pete and RJ. Y'all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family 
outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, joining me now, as they do every week, every Friday, the most popular. This is our signature podcast. This is our, uh, our, um, yeah, our signature podcast. That works. RJ White, live in Fort Lauderdale. Pete Prisco, also in Fort Lauderdale, but working from home, as you are wont to do very often these days, Pete. I'm impressed the way that you flex on our bosses. You're like, yeah, I'll move down there, but I'm not coming in the office. I'm Pete Prisco. Do you know who I am? They want me here, you moron. I got a camera here. <laughs> they want. Stupid? Did they give you a nice camera, or is it the same camera yeah. I got? Uh, I got a nice camera. You got the wait, like you got the full install? Yeah, TVU, the whole deal. Uh-uh, you did. Yeah. Jeez. See what happens when you're nice to our bosses, Brinson. They give you some nice stuff. I yeah, see Brinson, and you know what? Mine actually has a clock on it, so I'm prompt all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what? I'm still hungover from the Krang Krangbin show. Krang Krangbin show. I bet, you I bet you weren't late for that one. Uh no, I was running pretty late, but I got there on. I certainly got there on time. It was a it was sold out concert. Probably the last time to ever see that group at a uh, that small a venue. Shout out to Krongvin, if I could ever pronounce him right. Uh, shout out to my brother, Charlie Brinson, for getting me the ticket last minute. And shout out to my wife for letting me go on a Tuesday. Uh, she lets me go, Pete. You buy tickets for your wife for concerts for Christmas, though, don't you? Yeah, I do, actually. Where are you guys going? Where's your next concert you're going to go to? We're going to Las Vegas to see Lady Gaga. What hotel are you going to stay at? Ooh. No. <laughs> You don't know or you're not going to tell us? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, so you have booked like the whole thing, right? Uh, I got the whole thing pretty much arranged, yes. Okay. Are you going to – is it like – are you going to – do you have like a dinner out plan? Like how many nights are you going to uh, Vegas? Like when you play – or oh, are you going to take RJ's tickets and cash them for him? Uh, no. No. Jeez. He doesn't want to be my bag man. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I do I take a fee. If I were him, I do take a fee. Uh, have you cashed I don't, I don't want to be responsible for that heavy bag of money. How many, how many tickets have you cast so far on your season bets, RJ? Uh, well, a lot of them are playoffs. So, um, you know, play, to make playoffs to win divisions, so you can't technically cash them. But Seahawks have pretty much cashed. Uh, Kansas City it looks like they're going to win the division. Um, cashed on the Jaguars. Man, not so fast. Did you, uh, Pete? I assume you. That means you have the. You put your picks in on Thursday, and you have the Chargers. Uh, pretty good guess. All right, cool. Well, I'm sorry for your, sorry that you started the week 0 and 1, but that's fine. Um, it is. Uh, so yeah, so what you got together? Yeah, I got the Chiefs to win the division. I've cashed Chiefs over wins. Feeling okay about the Ravens over wins? Really, really, really gonna use that? Or at least it's eight. It's not, it's not eight and a half. So I'm feeling pretty good that I'll at least push. It would be disappointing not to, not to do any better than that with the Ravens at eight. Uh, I've already cashed my Raiders under. Win total. Uh, the Redskins win total is falling apart in front of my very face, which is pretty annoying. And you put all those in at um, Westgate that day you were there? Yeah, I got the tickets right here. Let's see. I got the uh, Falcons to win the Super Bowl. I don't think that's going to win. I uh, know. You can burn that one. I got the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. That's not dead yet. No. Nope. Eagles to miss the playoffs. Put your money where your mouth is. Bang. Feeling pretty that's good. good. Yeah, that's a good bet. Um, that's, you put the whammy uh, on them with all the injuries. They're going to blame you. Got them at plus 220 to miss the playoffs. I took the, uh, the, like I said, the Raiders under eight. <laughs> what a joke. The Raiders under was eight and a half. Oh no, under eight even. Um, I took the over seven 
Redskins, hopefully they can push that for me. And then I took the Chiefs to win the division. Feeling pretty good about that one, too. We'll see. Anybody else you got? You're waiting to cash on there, RJ? Uh, we'll see. You know, I have, I probably put eight or nine futures bets out there. Um, so one's already cashed, like we said. A couple other look pretty much locked in. And I'm not too confident in my Cowboys under. Um, you know, that Amari Cooper trade really screwed me. It was looking like a good bet up until they traded for him. And my Giants, I have under seven. So a little, that's, a little nervous about that one? That one I'm feeling nervous. They're playing really well. So, I mean, I'm hoping probably two, you know, two and one gets me a push. Three and oh is the only way I lose. So I don't think as good as they're playing, they're going to win their last three games. So at worst, I'm going to push that one. It looks I have like 50,000 that I put on the Bears to win the division's looking good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I wish you had done that. They were, they were a really good bet to win the division. The Redskins. What are the odds on that to win the division? Uh, then I mean they couldn't have been better than like six or eight to one. Like, oh, I, I bet it's, exactly. I bet it's more. I, I mean ten, ten to twelve. I bet. Yeah, I would bet it's ten to twelve. Remember, we got you and I took the parity. Took three, that uh, yeah, I'm, talk, I'm talking about like after the Khalil Mack trade and then adjust a little bit. Like if you take them early in the offseason, I'm sure you got like you know twelve to one, fourteen to one, something around there. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on and uh, talk about the super contest. As Pete mentioned. Five and zero. Oh. Actually, you mentioned before the show. I went five and zero oh last week, just in time for the uh, the mini contest. For those that don't know, in the super contest, you pick five games against the spread in the NFL. The mini contest down the stretch, the final uh, three weeks, three weeks of the season. Three right? weeks. Three weeks of the season. Whoever has the best, uh, if you oh, fifteen and zero, oh, guaranteed, lock it up. Uh, what won it last year? Like fourteen and one. I think so. 14-1 or 13-1-1, something like that. Yeah, so you got to be really good down the stretch. It's hard as hell to do because Week 17 is really tough to predict. Uh, RJ is on fire, though. RJ is on fire, hitting 70% of his picks at Sportsline.com. You can get your first month free. I'm serious. Like, RJ, uh, I played his picks uh, last weekend, and uh, thank you, RJ. Uh, they are they are on fire. Uh, first month for a buck. Use promo code WHITE, and you get your first month for a dollar at Sportsline.com. Do you have uh, the Cowboys last week too, Brinson? No, I actually faded him on that one. It's the Eagles. Oh, you went against him, but you didn't tell him that. No. Fine. <laughs> Cowboys is good cover. The Eagles is the right side for a lot of the game. Yeah, but the, I mean, we can talk about that later. But the Cowboys, stats-wise, threw up like 580 sure yards on them. The Eagles sure. threw up like 250 yards on them. I mean, the Cowboys really should have been up, you know, 14 to 17 points in the first Still half. Should have been a field goal. At yeah. the end of the game, sure, there's a situation where it should have been a cover, but the Cowboys should have been way ahead in the first place. Anyways, really shouldn't have played into account. Of course, the Eagles should have had the opening kickoff possessed on a, on a fumble. But the, I, had, I went two and three last week, and I had two awful picks. But the the third loss, I, the Bucks should have covered. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, they should have won that game outright. Who were your Who were your losses? The Bucks and uh, Cardinals. Uh. Yeesh. I had the Cardinals in two money line parlays that would have paid me some money. So I had like... one other one because it was a dog. Who's the other? Dog? I had one other dog that went crappy too. But probably but I... probably the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just guessing. Yeah, I don't know. That was a crappy. That was a crappy pick. Yeah, Pete went two and three. Pete and I are now tied at thirty-five and a half points, just a half point off of Mister Nick Costos, who went four and one last week. RJ also four and one, thirty-nine. Does your uh, you, do you have hope to make the money here? Is it? Yeah, I'm not dead, but I'm gonna need a uh, keep keep going on a crazy run. I think I need a 13 and two to have a shot at cashing. So, you know, that's not out of the question. It looked it looked a lot worse when it was 23 and four, you know, two weeks ago, and I was or 21 and four uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, uh, 21 and four, nobody does that. 
now I got two four and ones out of the way. I'm at 13 and two. And you can start thinking, okay, maybe I'll go from a 0.1% chance to a 1% chance. So, so like, but one more good week together and then we'll start talking about so it. I was on a roll until last week and it derailed. You're the Aaron Rodgers of the super contest is what you're saying. You're out of it. That's, People are counting you out. Not you, Pete, the RJ. Um, no, no, derailed last week. So yeah. I got to get back on track. But the good news is, Pete, you went six and nine last week. That's nice. Um, minus five points for the Pick Six Podcast Pick'em Contest. RJ plus seventeen, eleven and four last week. I went plus nine, nine and six on the week. For those that are just tuning in, we have a bunch of new listeners, by the way, because uh, I did an appearance on Fantasy Football Today. I don't know if you guys, we were, uh, you guys don't check the iTunes rankings. Top twenty-five in the iTunes rankings on Thursday. Thank you to anybody who's just tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, you can follow Pete on Twitter at PriscoCBS. You can follow RJ at RJ White One. What we do is we pick all the games against the spread. We uh, segment them out. We each, you have one game that you pick that's a four-point game, and then you can stagger and do threes, twos, and ones, however you feel comfortable with those, and then we sort of you know shake it out and see how we think about that. These are our four-point plays. If you could just play one, our number one picks, we'll start with RJ, who has the Baltimore Ravens minus seven and a half, a big number at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, people seem to like the Bucks now. They've looked good lately, but their last three games have been at home. They're always a pretty solid home team. On the road, that defense has given up these point totals, 40, 48, 34, 37, 42, 38 points. Only two of those games have come against teams with winning records, too. So it's not like they're doing it against all these Chiefs, Rams, Saints type of teams. You know, they're, they're getting beat up by no matter who they play on the road. They're the fifth team in the Super Bowl era with at least five 500-plus yard games. They're one and four in those five games. The other four teams that have at least five 500-plus yard games are 20 and one combined. So this team can can get yardage when they need to, but they're still going to lose games. Baltimore at home, they've allowed 17 points per game on at home. Their worst showing was against the Saints. They gave up 24 points. They also gave up 23 to Pittsburgh. So this is a team that doesn't give up many points at home. Tampa's a team that can't stop anybody on the road. That's the that's a formula for a 37-17 game, 38-14 game. I think Baltimore's going to run all over Tampa, who ranks 30th in rush DVOA, 25th in yards per attempt. I mean, it seems like a pretty clearly Baltimore's up by 14 to 17 at halftime, and and their defense is good enough to keep the back door closed, and they blow them out at the end, by the time we get to the final. I I like the Ravens too. I just don't. I'm concerned about what happens if Jackson's ankle is a mess, and they got to put Flacco in, and what do they do? And you know, so I'm concerned about that a little bit. But I, I agree with you, RJ. I, I just can't see the Bucks going up there. And playing well uh, at all, and, and I mean, look, they're not a good team. They they played okay last week, but that it was at home game, like you said. I just think they got major problems. They're one in twelve in their last thirteen games as road underdogs, and they're five and twelve against the spread in the last seventeen games on the road in December. So against the spread, so forget it. They're done. Yeah, and the other thing too is you look at the the Buccaneers' schedule. They've only played two teams that are in the top ten in defensive DVOA. Uh, only and the, the, they played the Bears in, in week four. Anybody who's followed the season knows how that went. Bears, and look, the Bears are better than the Ravens. I'll give you that. But the Ravens are two. Bears are one. Um, that game was forty-eight to ten. It was never remotely close. Ryan Fitzpatrick started that, not Jameis Winston. I actually think Jameis might be worse for the against the Ravens because of his turnover, uh, you know, problems. And then the other team was the Browns at home. I, I don't give that too much credence. They won twenty-six twenty-three in overtime, but they were playing Hugh Jackson. And again at home, I, I, I also like the Ravens here. I think the Ravens too. Um, RJ, you may mention this in your tips column, but aren't they are they one of your teaser teams? Uh, yeah. There's oh wait, 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 wait! I forgot. We're going to do the exotics at the end of the show. I'm sorry, I'm ruining, I'm ruining your. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's a tease for a teaser. How about that? 
Yeah, leave some magic for the end. Yeah, that's right. Good call. Uh, next up on the best bets of the week, Pete. Pete's going home. Pete's going to a, a land of comfort called the New York New York Football Giants. His team growing up, the team he rooted for, listening to his mother yell at Phil Sims to throw the ball. That's that's the memories, right, Pete? Uh, yeah, and my dad sitting in the back going, "Run, run, pass." <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Just like, just like you. I told Sims that once and he goes, we won a Super Bowl that way, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, look, I, I just, for me, this, this is a game where I just think the Giants are playing good football. Okay. You look at across the board, they're playing much better in every area. And I just don't think the Titans are that good on the road. A. And I think they're inconsistent and they're not a team that's going to go, you know, Go into somebody else's place and just dominate them on the road. I just don't see it. And I think the Giants are the, to me right now, the Giants are every bit as good, if not better than the Titans. So I'm, I'm leaning to the Giants here. Yeah. He hit the nail on the head, uh, Pete. Uh, Titans are a bad road team. We, we, earlier in the season when we had higher expectations for them, they would go into games against bad road teams and we're like, Oh, they're, they're two point underdogs or they're one point favorites and we expect them to have a good game and they just completely fall apart and, and, we started to learn play this team at home, um, coming off you know a bad game on the road because people will, will undervalue them, and then fade them on the road uh, you know after they have some good games at home because people will overvalue them. Um, so they've given up they're, they've scored 16.4 points per game on the road. To your point, 12 of their 15 turnovers on the season have been on the road, so they they don't practice good ball security when they're away from home. The Giants have kept playing well. They're 12th in weighted DVOA. They've won four of their last five, scoring 31.4 points per game in that stretch. The, the offense is fourth in yards per carry. It's a good rush offense. And Tennessee's rusty has had some bad games lately against Houston, against the Jets. Um, the defense has been generating some turnovers since the bye, so that speaks to being able to get turnovers off that Tennessee offense that doesn't have good ball security. Um, so Tennessee off two straight wins at home against awful quarterbacks. This is going to be a little bit different of a game. So I think the Giants should be laying at least three here. It's an easy play at two and a half. I'm pretty sure it's going in the contest for me. It's uh, it's moved down to one and a half on some sites, probably because of the Odell Beckham news. It sounds like Odell Beckham is not going to be out. Pete, is that or is not going to play? He's dealing with an injury that that might. Given the Giants' situation, if they don't win this week, we'll probably keep him out for the rest of the season. Pete, how much of a concern is Odell Beckham's injury when you're looking at this game? Anytime you don't have a star player, it's always a concern. Sure. But I think they can work around that. I, I do. I think I think Barkley will have a big day uh, in both the run and the pass. So, no, I, I think, yeah, you'd love to have him there, but I still think they can work around that. How On the Barkley thing, too, are you – I mean, like, I, I've – somebody one of my friends texted me the other day. He's like – she's like, so he's like – because Saquon Barkley is now the only rookie running back in NFL history with 1,100 rushing yards and 70-plus catches. And I had a couple other qualifiers I could have used, like 10-plus touchdowns and 600 receiving yards, but you don't need it. He's the only guy with 1,100 rushing yards and 70-plus catches. And I texted that to a friend of mine, and his response was, you know, you got a little exposure out there on Twitter. Like, if Saquon Bar- like if Saquon Barkley ends up being the greatest running back of all time, you got some tweets that are going to come back and haunt you. Are you worried about that? So I, I, I'm wondering, Pete, I know you're staunchly anti-running back at two. Is there any way that Barkley was maybe worth it? No. He's a great player. Everybody knew he was a great player. That that wasn't the, the argument. The argument is is, uh, is the position value. You know who he reminds me of? And I was watching him today. He reminds me of Fred Taylor. Hmm. There are a few guys that can do what those guys did. People are going to take that as an insult to Saquon Barkley. Oh, that's a, that's a, believe me, in my book, that's an ultimate compliment. Sure. I love Fred Be, Taylor. Being a big, physical, tough guy who can run away from people. I mean, that, and, and 
you know, Fred probably isn't as, wasn't as good because they didn't use him that way in the passing game as, as Barkley is. But, man, I'll tell you what, that's what he reminds me of with those jump cuts and the ability to get outside and run away from people. He's fantastic. RJ, but he's running back. RJ, are we going to look stupid for, for blasting them for the for not taking Sam Darnold? Yeah, but that that's going to happen anyway because people don't understand the concept of how you build teams and how you have success. You know, it's, oh, you know, you guys look stupid. Now look at his stats. It's like, okay, the Giants are 5-8. and eight. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> You have a great running back on a bad team. Your team's still bad. The point is to win a Super Bowl. The point is to win games. And I, he didn't do that for them this year because their quarterback is so bad and they have so many other holes that you can lock in highly undervalued contracts in the draft with those picks um, that when you use it on a guy like Saquon Barkley, who is a phenomenal talent, you're already paying him like the talent that he is. You're already giving him top five running back money when you pick him second overall, where you want want to use that money to lock in an under an under market quarterback, under market pass rusher, under market cornerback. You know these guys that are getting ten million per year, you know contract contracts um, on the defensive side or the offensive line side, even though they're not considered skill position players. Um, you know the only thing more valuable you can have than that is a quarterback. So. If the he's going to be compared to Darnold, so if Darnold doesn't pan out as a pro, then everybody's going to say, of course, you know, Barkley was the good pick. That's just not a good use of resources. I would rather trade down with that pick, pick up some other picks that you can use for other other players that are under you know market for their positions, and uh, build a team that way. And I think that's going to help you win a Super Bowl more than a phenomenal talent at running back. I agree. Titans, by the way, two and four against the spread on the road this season. The money actually shifted a little bit on this one. It, uh, it was favoring New York. I, I assume the Beckham move, you know, moved it. We're only talking like 2,000 bets being tracked here on the Action Network. Uh, 53% of the bets, 68% of the money on Tennessee. So they're going to be a popular road dog. That's a dangerous spot to be in. My best bet of the week, the Minnesota football Vikings in a Big spot, minus seven with a big line. This is a pure and plain and simple, um, we're pissed off. We fired our offensive coordinator. We looked like crap on Monday night in Seattle. And now we get to play a Dolphins team that might have to lean on Brock Osweiler with Ryan Tannehill a little banged up. TBD on, on his status heading into the weekend. Um, I don't think, I don't think Miami is, is very good. I don't really know how to explain the fact that they're in this playoff hunt, that they're seven and six, that they're one of the teams contending for that six that sixth spot in the AFC. Uh it feels like smoke and mirrors the way that they've done that. They've squeaked out a you know squeaked out a win at home against the Bears. Uh they stole one against the Patriots last week. And Minnesota's defense is going to come to play for Mike Zimmer, who I don't think put himself out on the line here, but yeah, you know, I mean he did you know he did fire his offensive coordinator um in December. That that is never uh never an easy thing to do. This is not a prime time game. Um the Dolphins are just seventeenth in DVOA against the run, and I think you're gonna see uh the you know, you're gonna see Dalvin Cook get fed the ball. I think Dalvin Cook ends up with twenty five some carries and a couple of catches and has an absolutely monster game as I wrote in my picks. This could potentially be a decent little teaser spot as well. I love the Vikings minus seven this week. I don't. <laughs> I look I think Kirk Cousins is average as average can be and I think that they have real issues protecting them and they're gonna have real issues running the football. I mean when you look at their line it's not very good right now. And and look Miami, you know, everybody's talks about Miami. You just ask, how does Miami get there? I'll tell you how they got there. Gase has done a great job with that team. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. They're not the most talented team in the world, but they play hard. Tannehill's playing good football. And I know that's a good defense, and you're on the road, but I, I just think this is going to be one of those games where they go up there. They're not going to win the game, but they're going to hang around, and they'll cover the number. 
Okay. Well, Miami is 29th in adjusted sack rate, so they're not a team that can expose bad offensive lines. We, we've seen, you know, Houston we know has a bad offensive line, and when they're not playing teams with a good pass rush, they can do whatever they want on offense. I think that could be a similar thing that happens with Minnesota. I know Kirk Cousins has looked bad, but he's playing in primetime, and they're 4-1-1 and when they don't play on primetime this year, so they're actually a good team. They're actually a really good team at home where the defense has given up 19.3 points per game at home. That includes that loss to New Orleans, you know, one of the best teams, and that fluky Buffalo loss that was based on all those bad turnovers on their side of the field. Um, so I think Minnesota's going to do better in this game. I think Miami's a fluke team. They've been outgaining five of their seven wins this year. They're just 24th in points per drive on offense and 25th on defense. That's not the formula, you know, giving up a lot of points on defense and score and not scoring many on offense. That's going to win you a lot of games. And so I think they're due for heavy regression. I think Minnesota minus seven is the bottom end of, of what this line should be. I, I would, I would think in my, you know, just looking at it, it should go up to nine and nine, nine and a half, maybe even 10. So I think this is a great teaser team as well, like you were saying. All right. We will get to the teasers more in a little bit. As we mentioned, like we like, we threw this, we started doing this, um, last week. We should have been doing it all season long. We'll keep it going for the playoffs, of course. Uh, but, uh, exotic bets we'll throw it at the end of the game, like some money line dogs, um, Pete's, Pete's Titan teaser, Titan 16 teaser, whatever he does. And, uh, and we'll get to those in a minute. Let's get to the second segment of this, which is agree to disagree. That means that we have a strong disagreement. At least one of us ranked a team two or higher. Um, and we start, uh, with, <laughs> wow, we start with me, Captain Sucker, Seattle minus four and a half at the San Francisco 49ers. Last week you guys chastised me saying that this is obvious season in December. I didn't listen to you. I didn't take, I took the, I took the Redskins and I took the, the, the Eagle, I took the Cowboys. I mean, I took the Eagles, excuse me. Like a dumbass. Missed them both. Should have covered them both. Should have listened to you guys. It's obvious season. I'm here to tell you guys that this is pretty simple math. It's obvious season. The Seattle Seahawks should be more than four and a half point favorites going into Seattle. That makes no sense. They would, that means they would be ten and a half, ten and a half point favorites at home. Give me a break. I would take the minus 14 against the 49ers. I get that San Francisco is going to try hard. Um, I think that Dante Pettis could have a nice game. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, uh, Jay White, whose name I, Justin, Jeff, uh, whatever, you know, Justin and Jeff White, whatever it is, has a decent game. But I think Seattle knows that they can close out, lock in a playoff spot, just go into San Francisco, snuff out a rival, and Russell Wilson has a big game against a team that is not very good against the pass. Tyler Lockett special. Dose TDs to Tyler Lockett. I think the Seahawks roll in this one. I Look, I don't. I think the Niners are the play here. I think, and Because coming off, normally I would agree with you, and I, I love what the Seahawks have done, but coming off, that win, the physical win, the way it was and everything, I just think that this is a spot. It looks too obvious to me. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it can't be. So I, I'll, I think the Niners will hang around and play with them, uh, and it'll be a field goal game. The Seahawks will win it, but it'll be a field goal game. I wanted to go to Seattle too, because it, it, you know, they're, I think it should be five, seven and a half based on the stats, based on my power ratings line, weighted DVOA is number eight, which is number 2017. team. They ran all over San Francisco in, the, in their first game, generated three turnovers are expected to roll. This San Francisco team just shut down a run first team at home in an upset win. Seattle's in a terrible spot. There's short rest on the road in a game that everybody expects them to roll. Kansas City is next for them. I mean, Seattle's a much better all-around team than Denver, but San Fran's playing their Super Bowl. This is like the last game of the season for for that has any consequence for San Francisco. So I absolutely hate this spot for Seattle. So I'm going to go San Fran just with a one point. I'm not not going to put this in the contest. Not going to bet it. Not, you know, I'm going to stay away from it. This line move really makes me think that people understand that this is a terrible spot for Seattle, and and they're really going to be focused on winning on competing in their next one against Kansas City. So I'm staying away. 
I like I said, I got Seattle as a three. I think it's very obvious. I think Seattle is a much better team. I will say this: that it's red flags galore on this game. Uh, divisional rivalry on the road. RJ points out that the power ranking should have Seattle as seven. The line moved from Seattle minus five and a half to Seattle minus three and a half. Sixty-eight percent of the bets are on Seattle. Eighty percent of the money is on San Francisco, uh, and it's actually a pretty high. It's like forty-two hundred bets tracked on that one. So this is a heavily bet game where the money is on one side. The line is moving in a way that it doesn't make any sense. And when you start seeing those red flags, it's usually a good time to take the the, the home dog. I, I just the, the Seahawks snuff people out in December, so I'm I'm riding with the obvious pick, and I can't wait to look stupid on Sunday. RJ, you got the Denver Broncos Saturday. You can't wait to look stupid on Saturday with your Denver Broncos minus three against the Cleveland Browns pick. How am I going to look stupid in this pick? Because <laughs> my man Baker Mayfield's going to roll into town. Sheriff's so Dem- Denver is fifth in weighted DVOA. They're a top five team as, as far as how they're playing. And I know they lost Emmanuel Sanders and you got to ding them for the pass offense. That's not what they do well anyway. They're, when you look at the DVOA breakdowns, the one thing they don't do well is pass offense and they're top 10 or top 11 in the other three categories um, on offense and defense. Um, they're three and three at home, but they're, they're a much better home team than that. I think they should be getting four points for home field, not the standard three. Those three losses were by four or less points to Kansas City, the Rams, and the Texans. You know, three teams that are going to be in the hunt for the Super Bowl, it looks like. Uh, Cleveland's only strength is their pass defense, but like I said, Denver doesn't pass well anyway. So if your strength lines up with somebody else's weakness, how much are you going to use to exploit that? I think Denver on the, uh, doesn't have to throw the ball that much. They can run it all over Cleveland, who has a 26th ranked run D per DVOA. Denver's had one turnover in their last four combined, despite three of those games being on the road. So they're protecting the ball. They're running the ball well. They're playing great defense. The defense should exploit what can be a, a shaky Cleveland offensive line that really hasn't played too many good pass rushes lately. And this is Cleveland's first primetime game with Baker Mayfield starting. I know he's played well in games, but he really hasn't had a high-profile game. And for any rookie going on the road in primetime, you know, in, in one of the best home field uh, advantages, I think that you have to kind of fade him and, and think that as well as he's played, this is a really tough spot for him. So that the, that this line is minus three and it might come down because everybody loves Cleveland and the Sharps want to bet Cleveland seems crazy to me. I think Denver should be at least four, maybe even more. Mm. I, I agree. I don't get it. Uh, I I agree one hundred percent. I just this number should be higher than what it is. It it almost looks fishy to me. Um. So Denver, look, you mentioned it. how Denver ruined that game against San Francisco is mystifying to me. It shouldn't have happened, but. Uh, they'd be alive and kicking in the playoff race. And now the pressure's back on Vance Joseph. I think they regroup, uh, and they, they handle the Browns by a touchdown. I, look, I'll say this. The concerns here are, I agree, I agree, like, I had the same concerns. Baker Mayfield on the road in a hostile environment that's going to be drunk as all get out on a Saturday night in Denver, I assume, unless they're all just stoned to bejesus or lit up on edibles or whatever. Maybe maybe they'll be drunk and lit up on edibles. That's what I'd be doing if I were uh, hypothetically a Broncos fan who lived in, in Denver. I know Pete would be. Um, but the uh, – <laughs> just kidding. Well, remember what happened last time out when he was on the road? It wasn't very good early. Yeah, and the other thing too is that, you know, when you look at the, the schedule that the Browns have faced since Baker came in, um, the closest proximity in terms of a team that, that replicates what – Denver can do with his pass rushers is the Houston Texans that they got all over him. So I am worried about that. Uh, I just, I got faith in this Browns team. I think, I think they're going to make, I think they're going to make a little run. I think it's good. They're going to make things interesting. I might look stupid by Saturday night. I, I, RJ's talked me out of putting them in the contest. I refuse to back down and, and make them a three because I still like the Browns plus three in this spot. I, I, I just, 
I think this is going to sound insane. Greg Williams is a, is a coaching mismatch for Vance Joseph, who's, who's clown shooing it up all over the place. This is a Denver team, as you mentioned, top, like, number two in DVOA in terms of pass defense. They're number uh, four in overall defense. This is a team that should be able to, to make the playoffs, and they're, they're just egging, egging all over the place. I don't see how you keep Vance Joseph, and I think Baker Mayfield could be the nail in his coffin. So I will take the Browns. Um, I will also take, yeah. The Arizona Cardinals plus eight and a half at Atlanta. Um, and I think I will be playing David Johnson or potentially Chase Edmonds in DFS this weekend. You know why? Because the Falcons stink on defense. They're the worst defense in football by DVOA. If you look at it now, they have fallen all the way to the bottom below the Buccaneers, below the Raiders, below the Lions, below the Bengals, Atlanta dead last. Uh, they are actually not last. They're only 29th in DVOA against pass catching running backs. Uh, but they do give up a lot of yardage to number one wide receivers. And I think that plays very poorly. You know, their pass rush hadn't been great. Like, I just don't think that they're a good matchup for the Arizona offense. Can actually get some stuff moving indoors. And I think Arizona's actually kind of a sneaky money line dog here to steal one in Atlanta. Pete, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, I don't love the Falcons. Uh, I, you, you mentioned that their defense is really bad, but the Cardinals' offense is even worse. I mean, they stink on offense right now. And, and so something has to give. I think the fact that it's a long trip at home. I would lean more toward the Falcons. I don't love them, but I would lean more toward the Falcons. You know what has to give is the eight and a half points because Atlanta's three and ten against a spread this season. They haven't been favored by more than five and a half in any game. So I understand that Arizona's the worst offense in the league, and that's why this line is where it is. But it keeps going up. It's eight and a half for the contest. I think it's nine and a half on the market right now. Um, Atlanta's D, like you said, 32nd in DVOA. They've given up 167.6 rush game, yards per game in the last five. So this could be a game where David Johnson or Chase Edmonds eat. Um, Arizona could limit the one thing Atlanta does well, which is pass defense, which is pass because Arizona's pass defense is solid, 10th in DVOA, 4th in net yards per attempt. I understand Arizona's really bad. Atlanta has done nothing to lay this many points. And I actually looked into this for my trends column. I looked at the effect of Teams that end up with losing records, so losers on the season, or actually not even, even not even that, eight and eight or worse. Um, but they're favored by at least eight points in a in a game in in weeks fifteen or sixteen. So in the fourteenth or fifteenth game of the season. So I want to see these teams that are barreling toward a losing record. How do they perform when they're huge favorites? And I saw that since 1981, 11, 23, and one against the spread. Wow. So this really looks like a game where you expect Atlanta to just come out firing. They don't really have any interest in doing so because this is a lost season for them. They kind of gut out a four point six point win and they don't cover. So I would go Arizona. I'm not putting it high. I, I'm not. I'm not taking Josh Rosen on the road uh, on the in the contest. I don't care how what you do or what you say. But uh, there's no way you can take Atlanta in this spot. I don't think Falcons are two and five as a home favorite, uh, failing to cover by an average of four point one points per game in those spots. That is. Um, uh, outside of the teams that have no business being favored at home, like the Redskins and the Cardinals and the Bills. Uh, there's several teams that are 0 for on the season that's next to last right there with Tampa Bay. The Falcons should not be favored by that many points, and I agree with you completely in that spot. RJ, um, I don't, I guess, I don't know if, uh, this is the, this is the hardest game on the, this is the hardest game. And by the way, all, most of the money is on Arizona, um, in, in that game as well. This is the hardest game of the week to look at, I think. Oakland plus three at Cincinnati. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I don't, not me. <laughs> Jeff Driscoll shouldn't be laying three to anyone. And <laughs> That's Oakland, a fair point. Oakland's not playing that bad. Uh, Oakland's last four, they beat Arizona. Not a good team, but still, that's a win. They were within three in the fourth quarter at Baltimore and versus Kansas City, two really good teams. And then they beat Pittsburgh. Oakland's offense is 11th in pass DVOA, 16th in weighted DVOA. So they're an average team, you know, 
passing the ball or our average team on offense for way to give you away 74 points in their last three games scored. You know, Gruden isn't going away. This team is playing hard for him. The, with bad teams, the thing you have to consider is who's going to give up, who's updating the resume, who's looking for new jobs. That's not the case in Oakland. They know the coaching staff is in place. They know Gruden's the head, head guy. They're going to have to try to make their spot on the team for 2019. Since he, on the other hand, coaching staff is updating resumes. I don't think this team's going to show up against a bad opponent. I know they showed some fight against the Chargers, but I think that was their last gasp. And I think the Chargers had a, a bad look ahead spot, obviously playing the Chiefs next week. Um, so that bad Cincy D, that's 30th in way to DVOA, 32nd in points per drive allowed, isn't going to show up for this game. Oakland's off Offense is going to be great. Use as many Raiders as you want in DFS. You know, stack up some Derek Carr, some Jared Cook, <laughs> and Jordy Nelson because they should score a ton of points in this game, and I think Oakland wins it. Look, I don't love. I'm not loving the Bengals here. The Raiders are playing better, but I mean, look, this is two bad teams. <laughs> I mean, they're tw- the Raiders are 12 and 29 in their last 40 games in December on the road. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just. I wouldn't take either one of them. Don't love them, but I would lean uh, more toward the Bengals. Yeah, it's too bad. I, I, my reasoning for taking the Raiders here, and I think I have them as a one because it's hard to figure out. But it's better quarterback, better coach, for sure. better coach. Who's a better coach, John Gruden or Marvin Lewis? More stable coach. More stable coach, sure. And uh, and you're getting points. Two bad teams getting points. Give me the points. Um, elsewhere. Two bad teams, two good teams, two potentially good teams. Green Bay Packers catching six at Chicago. I mean, look, this comes down to a very simple thing that I once heard a very old man say. If you're going to give me Aaron Rodgers in the points, I'll take the points. Um, Aaron Rodgers has the last time he lost in Chicago to the Bears was 2010. I wasn't working at CBS in like the last time they were. I didn't. I wasn't married. Didn't have a kid. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears in Chicago. I get that the offense is not the same. Some people will say that you're not working at CBS these days either. <laughs> <laughs> Too safe, Pete. Um, it's my side gig. This pick six thing. Um, the uh, look, they they have just they've won. He's won the last six games in Chicago outright. This is the Packers Super Bowl. The Bears can. I get the Bears can clinch the division and can end the Packers season with a win here. That's too many demons to exercise at one point in time. Aaron Rodgers terrified. Bears fans are cocky. They're acting like this is this is it's our time. It's our time now. We're gonna put Aaron Rodgers in the ground. No, no, no. You don't put Aaron Rodgers in the ground. Aaron Rodgers puts you in the ground Bears fans and he's going to do it this week he's going to go in there he's going to light them up and the Green Bay Packers are going to win this game scare the crap out of Bears fans for the potential wild card rematch and start a little run down the stretch I like the Green Bay Packers to win and to cover how many passes do you think Aaron Rodgers completes against Bears fans in this game <laughs> um, I think each each pass will be directed at Sean Wagner McGuff, our precious little Bears fan. Whatever, Bear, whatever Bears fans think doesn't come into play because they're not going to be on the field. And you cite those stats. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is owned in Chicago. How many of those games were against Matt Nagy? How many of those games were against Khalil Mack? How, how many, many? How many passes he throwing against Matt Nagy? <laughs> He's throwing against his uh, his team though. You know, Matt Nagy definitely has more of an influence in what happens in that game than the fans do. Uh, so Chicago has a great home field advantage, and they're a much better team. My power ratings would make this line eight and a half. I think that's a little wow. aggressive, but I would uh, have you know I say that Green Bay isn't a good team. You said there's two good teams, maybe one and a half good teams, maybe one good team, and then the other team has a great quarterback. 
that isn't playing his best. Uh, Chicago's defense, though, is first in DVOA, pass DVOA, rush DVOA, points per drive, turnover rate, first downs. This is the best defense in the league, bar none. When you get the best defense in the league playing at home, I think you got to go with whatever the spread is. I don't care what the instance is. Green Bay won last week, wasn't impressed by Philbin. This is a much tougher matchup for him, obviously, especially on the defensive side. Um, turnover is an issue, issue for the Chicago offense, but Green Bay's defense doesn't generate that many turnovers anyway. Um, so Green Bay's defense is 29th in rush DVOA, allowing 139.5 rush yards in their last eight games. This is setting up for a Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen run all over Green Bay, and then the uh, Chicago defense does what they need to do, knocks Aaron Rodgers around, Green Bay kind of gives up on their coach in the second half, and Chicago puts this one away. I'm with Brinson on this one. I, I'm taking Rodgers in the points. I don't think they're winning the game, though, Brinson. I, I mean, I, I just don't. I think they'll keep it close. Uh, they're 15 and what, 12 and four against the spread in the last 16 against the Bears. That matters. And I know you, you know people say, oh, it's all the old different teams, different teams. Well, they beat some good teams too, and some good Bears defensive teams in there too. Um, and I think the Bears played what looked like their Super Bowl last week. I, I know they put a lot into that game. This one to me is not in prime time. That matters. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers taking the points. And, and- it wasn't their Super Bowl because they're getting to the playoffs. There's going to be games that have a lot more consequence for them coming in January. I get that, RJ, but they played it like it was like the end of the world. It was a Sunday night game in front of a big time audience. I mean, that, it was like a Super Bowl. I think they're going to be, I think they're coming off that. There's going to be a natural little letdown for them. He's, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Have a letdown spot against Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has thrown one interception against a Vic Fangio defense and he's played him many, many times. Like he's played him like six times. One interception. It's Aaron Rodgers game. How many interceptions does he have this season? One, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's I mean he's not having that good of a season. I, I know you look at one interception, you say the stats look, look like he's having he's throwing the ball away like what is it? I think I saw a graphic in the game this past this past Sunday. Um he had like fifty three throwaways and nobody else had more than thirty or something like that. Like it's just he's just throwing the ball away. So you're not gonna throw that many interceptions when the pressure gets on you and you're just chucking it away. That that's also not how you move the ball downfield. His completion percentage is way down. He he doesn't have the same mobility as he's had in the past. And now you're gonna put him behind this line that has a little few injury issues. Brian Balaga's missing practice, um, and Khalil Mack and and Roquan Smith and Leonard Floyd and all these defensive guys gonna get after him. I think this is a tough spot for him. Green Bay's been one of the worst where they're 0 six on the road this year, uh one four and one against the spread on the road. Chicago five and zero straight up as a home favorite, fifty eight percent of the Green bets. Bring those road teams though. I mean that that plays yeah. into it too. Sure, yeah. Uh uh I I just looked at the, the actual number. I didn't see the full list. It was- we know they lost against the Rams on the road. We know they lost to New England on the road. We know they lost to Seattle on the road. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a tough, tough schedule for them. Fifty-eight uh, percent of the bets on Chicago, fifty-two percent of the money is on Green Bay. The line is moving towards Green Bay, so some weird factors uh, going there. Moving to our segment three, we uh, these are called mild disagreements, or as Pete likes to say, whatever, whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Thank you. Uh, RJ's taking the fighting Josh Johnsons plus seven at Jacksonville, a two point play for RJ. Uh, Pete and I have Jacksonville as a one. Explain why you like Josh Johnson. So Josh Johnson might be the worst starting quarterback in the league, but Cody Kessler isn't that far behind. Jacksonville has one offensive touchdown to the last two weeks, one touchdown in, in general the last two weeks. That came with the team down 30 to two 
Um, they only had 233 yards of offense per game in that stretch with Cody Kessler at quarterback. So Jacksonville defense, I don't think they're going to give their best effort in this game. They think that they can coast and win against Josh Johnson, so you're not going to see them flying around to the ball and acting like this is we're getting back to the playoffs. They know the season's over. I think Josh Johnson actually played pretty well in relief, led two touchdown drives. I know the scoreboard shows that you don't put too much stock into how he – it's not like he came in 0-0 when it's a competitive game. So you have to take that with a little grain of salt. I just can't see Jacksonville scoring more than 10 to 13 points in this game. Washington's a solid defense, and Jacksonville's offense has done absolutely nothing. So if you're only putting 13 points on the scoreboard, Washington needs one touchdown to cover a seven-point line. And this line's actually going up in the market. I think Jacksonville's favored by seven and a half. I mean, it's, how is an offense with, with Cody Kelster going to cover that number? I just don't understand. I, I mean, I, I, look, Jacksonville's offense stinks, but but Josh Johnson stinks too. I don't care what he did at the end of that half. Uh, it's two stinky quarterbacks. It's one's at home. What's that? Make the line three then. Two quarterbacks stink. Two teams seem like he's going to be out of it. Just make the line three. One's at, one's at home, so that matters. Yeah, that's why you make it three and not zero. It should be six. It's probably a little too high, but I, I still think Jacksonville – look, 17-6, that's probably the final. Nobody scored points in it. Maybe. I mean, for, you would have to have like a huge Fournette game. So if you really think that Jacksonville's going to get to 17 points, I mean, throw Fournette in every DFS lineup because he's going to have to run for 150 to 200 yards because Cody Kessler can't do anything. Yeah, look, this is – I like the Jaguars, but not by much. I just think they're going to create a couple turnovers on defense, shut down the Redskins, play one last game at home for the Jacksonville fans before they blow up this defense and slam the window shut forever on that potential Super Bowl run. Uh, Tommy Coughlin storms down at halftime, takes over the team. Uh, moving along to a game that is much more interesting, the Colts minus three against the Cowboys. i I got to be honest – I'm taking the Colts because this line makes no sense. Why are the Cowboys not favored? The Cowboys are rolling. They're America's team. They're dominating everybody. I think it's similar to the Bears in the spot that, you know, everybody is, you know, they saw this upset. They beat the Saints. They took care of the Eagles. Here's the reason, the other reason I like the Colts. They got a better coach. And by better coach, I mean a billion times better coach. And they got a quarterback. And by better quarterback, I mean a billion times better quarterback. Andrew Luck is much better than Dak Prescott. The Colts defense has been playing very well. And I think they have a secret weapon in Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator who left Dallas to come work for Josh McDaniels, but ended up staying in Indianapolis, knows how to shut down Dak Prescott. And I think the Colts win this game and surprise a lot of people because I would anticipate that most of the money in this game uh, is on the Cowboys, or most of the bets, excuse me, are on the Cowboys, and I am correct, 55%, whereas 62% of the money is on the Colts. It's a stinky line. I, that's why I like Indianapolis. Dallas is definitely a square play. I put Dallas as a one because I do think they're the better team right now, but I, this can go either way. Indy's D has faced a lot of bad offenses over the last two months. I mean, Oakland is the 17th best offense in the league, and that's the best offense they've played. So they're playing a lot of bottom half of the league offenses. This Dallas, this iteration of the Dallas offense is not that. You know, they've had a, a lot of close wins, and their DVOA isn't great, but Amari Cooper's made a huge difference. And that, you know, we can argue about, I got lucky with that Cowboys pick last week, but they torched Philly despite the scoreboard. They outgained them 576 yards, 256 yards. Even if you throw away the 70 whatever they got in overtime, you know, and just look at regulation, they're basically doubling them up on offense uh and and when you do that you know you you can't be that bad of an offense you know i think this is definitely a playoff caliber team at this point they're rolling they have a great defense they're there's a really tough test for them on the road at indy but indy hasn't had a great home field advantage you know uh, historically so i do understand that they they don't it's a coaching disadvantage for dallas it's a coach it's a quarterback disadvantage for dallas everywhere else they have the advantage so i'm going to 
consider that they might be able to pull it out with all those other factors in place. So I'm staying away because Dallas, like I said, is a square play. I think the smart play is probably to go on Indy. I just feel like Dallas is going to keep this close. And if Indy wins this game, it's going to be by three. So I, I see either Dallas wins outright or Indy wins by three. So you're either getting a push or Dallas covers if you go Dallas. Yeah, I like the Colts, too. I don't love them. I think that Dallas defense is really interesting. But, I, again, Andrew Luck got back on track last week. But, you know, when he, for me, I, I just I worry about Dak Prescott. I, I know he's played good football, but on the road, let, let's see him do it. I, I'd probably lean to the Colts here, but don't love them. The Cowboys are going to end up botching at least two or three red zone possessions against this Colts defense, and that'll be the difference maker. Uh, I've got the Carolina Panthers plus five and a half as a pick here, and a, a pretty easy pick for me. I, I, again, I get that the Saints are the better team. I understand why they're a five and a half point favorite. I'm a little surprised it's not more. I mean, I get that you can't make them a seven point road favorite in prime time, but Cam Newton's busted up. Um, the, you know, the Panther, but this is a, this is a backed in a corner desperate Panthers team with one more shot to try and make a playoff run against a rival that's coming to town on a Monday night. Cam Newton is too proud to to not win this game. They need to win it for Ron Rivera. I think Luke Keekley has a huge game and slows down the running attack, uh, the rushing attack of of, of the Saints a little bit. And I, I, I just got a feeling that Panthers pull something out here. I know it's a bad spot with the team that's on a five-game losing streak. They're desperate. They have to get this one. New Orleans is in a pretty safe spot. They've already clinched the division. Um, Worst case, it would be really difficult for them to even fall down to the three seed at this point. And I think Carolina will just be hungrier and, and keep it close. It'll be a field goal game. Pete. Uh, well, I look for me when I, when I look at this game, I, no field goal game. No way. Not with that defense. That defense is putrid. It's been putrid. Uh, and so no, to answer your question, I think the Saints go in there and put a number on. Yeah, you said that, uh, you're surprised it's not higher, not seven. The market is trending that way. As of Thursday, it's six and a half in a lot of places, and I think it's going to get to seven because the, the public money is obviously going to be on New Orleans by the time Monday rolls around. 73% of the bets are on New Orleans, 67% of the money right now per action network are on the Panthers. But I'm with the Panthers homer here. I'm going with Carolina as well. <laughs> uh, New Orleans offense has been shaky, less than 200 pass yards in each of their last three. So we're making a lot of, you know, you didn't bring up the Cam Newton factor. He doesn't look right. You know, people are saying maybe he's hiding an injury. Maybe there's something wrong with this Panthers offense. New Orleans offense doesn't look that good either. Why are we not having that same conversation about Drew Brees? I mean, he has not looked good at all in his last three games. This is also the third straight road game for New Orleans. I'm surprised Pete's not all over that. I think they could be a tired team knowing that they have a long January ahead of them, hopefully, you know, as the number one seed. Conserve a little energy on this Monday night game. Carolina's lost five straight, but four of those have been on the road. They're five and one at home this year. So they were five and oh before that, that loss in the middle of that, that long road trip uh, when they had to play that one home game. So I think New Orleans can throw on Carolina. Like you said, the Carolina defense is bad, but Brees is also looked off so maybe uh, they don't have that much of an effect they don't go for 500 yards they go for 350 and then all of a sudden it's a closer game than we think carolina's won four of the last six versus new orleans again in carolina and they need this for the playoff spot like like brinson was saying they have the much better um motivation factor in this game so five and a half is too many it's going to creep it's creeping up to six and a half it's going to get to seven that's way too many i think when, once it gets to seven that's when you want to play carolina you, you hammer them because i don't see them give losing this game by by a touchdown even and, and probably not and, and obviously not more than that so i think it's probably gonna be two three-point game all right uh new england minus two and a half at pittsburgh pete you like the patriots of course i like the patriots who doesn't they own them they've owned the Steelers. tom brady well you're entitled to your wrong opinion tom brady's owned the steelers through his career 
Uh, and the Steelers can't run the ball. That's a problem when you play. I think it's been a problem for them. They had the Chargers game. They had just run the ball. They had 10 carries in the first half for Connor, and I know he went out, but he had nothing in the second half. Bottom line is, I think the Patriots go in there. I don't like, you know, back-to-back road games is always concerning for me, but they've owned them. I'm not fucking that trend. I'm taking the Patriots. So, yeah, the Pittsburgh isn't a good team, uh, you know, as good a team as they usually are. They've shown that. New England isn't a good team either. New England on the road is, is a pretty bad team. Their defense has given up 31 to Jacksonville, which seemed like it was like, okay, it's Jacksonville. They're a Super Bowl contender back in week two. No, it turns out Jacksonville's a terrible team, and they gave up 31 to them. They gave up 26 to Detroit on the road. They gave up 31 to Chicago, which hasn't had a great offense you know, at times this, this year. They gave up 34 to Tennessee, 34 to Miami. And then the other two games were against Josh McCown and Derek Anderson. So congratulations. You had two good defensive games against some pretty bad quarterbacks. So the Pittsburgh offense has had 30 or more in five of their six home games. So I think they're going to rack up the points against a defense that has not played well on the road. So I think it's more incumbent on New England to keep up in the scoreboard than it is on Pittsburgh to keep up. Because does the stats say that the Pittsburgh offense should have no no trouble doing it? And I know that the Pittsburgh defense is a bad pass DVOA, but they're fifth in net yards per attempt, ninth in yards per carry. I mean, they're, they're decent when they're playing bad teams. They play, look pretty good when they're playing bad teams. They're, they can kind of hold their own against some good teams. New England obviously holds the mental edge in this series because New England just beats them up and down the field, you know, wherever the situation. Won the last five against Pittsburgh. They're 8-2-1 and one against the spread in the last 11. Um, so that's the only reason I'm putting this at Pittsburgh 1. If this was two different teams with these statistical profiles, I would love Pittsburgh. But just that factor that New England has owned them in the past, I'm not too quick to bet on, on Pittsburgh at this point. Yeah, that's that's the problem. The Patriots are coming off Patriots off a loss, win and cover, and the Patriots against the Steelers and Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger win and cover so much that you you'd be crazy not to take the Patriots here. I wouldn't if it gets to three plus, I'd be a little worried about it, but anything under three, I would be fine taking the Patriots. I think it'll be a close game, uh, but you got a banged up Ben Roethlisberger, a Patriots team that should be desperate because there's a scenario where the Dolphins catch them in the division. There's also a scenario where they don't get a bye, and that scenario is very real if they lose this game. Uh, it's got to be more desperate because if they don't sure. win this game, they have to expect they're in second place in the division because they have to assume Baltimore's going to win their game. So yeah. if you're talking about desperation levels, I mean, there's no team more desperate than the Steelers right now. Yeah, they don't have James Conner and Roethlisberger's banged up. Like, you got me like you can you can be desperate all you want, but if you got one hand tied behind your back and you're desperate in the corner, it doesn't matter. You can't fight anybody. Give me the Patriots. Next segment. These are ones we all agree on, which means Pete, they are <laughs> That's right. Uh, we got to go through these quickly as we're. Oh yeah, Pete's got to go to a, a thing. Uh, we only got three games here. Buffalo minus two and a half against Detroit. We all have Buffalo. Why do we have Buffalo, RJ? They've, get, they've outgained opponents by 100-plus yards in the last two. They lost both due to turnovers. This is a good team that just is is shooting themselves in the foot. I think they're going to get that handled at home against a bad defense. That's just 28th in turnover rate. Um, the Buffalo has an elite defense, third in DVOA overall and against the pass. That's not good for a Detroit offense. It's kind of scuffling. So this line should be three. I know we think that Buffalo's a terrible team. Detroit's also a bad team. You know, they they – they ran away against a bad Arizona team. That's probably might be their last win of the season. And I, I love fading them from here on out. So yeah, give me the point. Give me laying two and a half. Not even have to lay three points with yeah. Buffalo. Uh, we also all have Houston at the New York Jets. Uh, the, the reason I like Houston here is because Houston profiles similarly to me as the Vikings did when they went into New York and beat the Jets 37 to 17. I believe the final score was. I think you see Houston able to put up points against the Jets defense. The Jets have checked out. 
thought Sam Darnold's playing pretty well, but this is a, we saw what the, the Texans did against Baker Mayfield. The Texans know that if they go in there and win this game, they are in great shape. They can go chase a bye. Go get this game and you can beat the, you know, you can pass the Patriots if they lose to the Steelers. This is a big game for Houston. They come prepared. And then finally the game, the last game that we are all on, the Rams minus 11, Pete. Why do you like the Rams? Well, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. <laughs> That's good Nick reason. Foles. Okay. I mean, look, he, he, career, he had his career year for two games last year and he morphed back into Nick Foles again. And, and coming off that loss last week, I think Sean McVay is going to try and light up the offense. I, and the Eagles have issues in the secondary. So I, I think the Rams are easily a, a good play this week. All right. Yeah. We all agree. And I uh, hope you, I just should have tweeted out, but I got the Rams minus nine, which is pretty nice. Um, Last one, exotics. We'll get to these quickly as well. Last week, I said parlay the Browns, 49ers, Cardinals, and Bears, and the freaking Cardinals lost it. I was all over those those dogs that could have covered. Um, also, at the buzzer, RJ's kind enough to put this in there. I said the Raiders' money line and Browns' money line would have paid 11-1. to 1. I hope somebody out there took it. If you did, tweet me a picture of that ticket, man. Uh, Pete had a tease, made the Cardinals 8.5, Dolphins 13.5, Ravens 12.5, and, and Bucks 14 went 2-1-1, one one, so that's a loser. RJ teased the Browns to 8.5 and, and the Saints to 2 won that and then said to take the Raiders money line and that was a winner plus 480 hope you listen to RJ on these uh, RJ what do you have exotic wise for actually you know what? I'll go first because I got mine ready uh, and that'll give Pete some time to prepare with his uh, special exotic I have another under uh, this, is, this is my thing money line dog parlay this is a big boy paying out 20 almost 23 to 1 according to sportsbook.ag we're going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers is a dog, and I know I said I like the Patriots, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are a good team, underdog, plus 125. We're going to take the Carolina Panthers as a dog on Monday night at plus 225, and the Green Bay Packers as an underdog at plus 225. $25 on that. Parlay those three money line, those three dogs on the money line. Pays out $570. Big splash, RJ. Packers lose that one for you. That's fine. Uh, my teaser of the week, which I put in my tips column on, that comes out every Thursday, which is 10 and 4 on the season. Mm. Uh, I, I did the easy teaser this week. I teased the Ravens down to minus one and a half, the Vikings down to one. Uh, and both the teams are going to win those games. I think they're playing teams are a little bit overrated at this point that have had some, some fortune, fortune go their way. And, and that's going to be a win. My crate, if you want to go crazy exotic, you know, money line underdog parlay, Parlay the Cardinals and the Redskins together. They're two terrible teams. Mm. Nobody is expecting them to win, but they're also playing two teams that shouldn't be favored by as many points as they are. So at the very least, we're getting value. It's probably going to pay like 14 or 15 to 1, um, and we're getting value just because those lines are a lot higher than they should be. I think they have a better chance than 14 to 1 to pay off that bet. So You're saying you parlay want... them to cover or to win? To win. Win outright. Okay. Money line. That would pay out uh, 15, almost 16 to 1. So that's a pretty okay. good little payout. Yeah, it should be if if the lines were where they should be, that payout would probably be nine or ten to one. So you're getting some good EV on that. So so I don't think it's going to hit, but I think that's a, your best value play this week. All right, Pete, what's your uh, what's your exotic specialty? Uh, you know me, I like to grab points, so I'm taking the Niners, teasing the Niners up. I'm teasing the Packers up, and I'm teasing them with the Patriots up. And one last one, I'm taking the Dolphins with the points. So that's my teaser. So you're making the the 49. You're doing a, t- a 12 point teaser again? No, I did, I'm doing a six point teaser. Six point teaser. Okay, yeah, you do the six point teaser with four teams. So you got the Patriots, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Patriots, it? 49ers, Dolphins, and Packers. 
All right. There you go. There's Pete's teaser. All right. That's the show. Thanks for listening. You guys are the best. Pete, you've got so much work to do. I know they're weighing you down. The end of the season is almost here, man. You can smell the finish line. Keep strong. Stay strong, buddy. Thanks, RJ. What about you? You got another hour of this to go? I got to do – well, yes, I have sports line at six o'clock. Are you on with me today? Yeah, on with you. You and I, yeah, I'll, be, I'll see you on sports line at uh, uh, six o'clock. Everyone should watch sports line six to seven p.m. every single night. Um, and then coming up bowl season, you got to have it. It gets you ready for gambling stuff. Again, check out sportsline.com. Use promo code White. Get RJ's uh, all RJ's picks first month for a dollar. And watch Pete on CBS Sports HQ. He's on there basically twenty four seven. CBSSports.com slash live. Thanks, guys. Here you go.